Welcome to True Fulfillment Podcast. I'm your host, Daisy Cross, transformational life coach, professional hypnotist, speaker, and a teacher of Kundalini Yoga and Meditation. True Fulfillment Podcast welcomes you into individual talks and guest conversations. As I join together with fellow transformational speakers, coaches, authors, rock star philanthropists, and thought leaders, as they share their inspiring stories of transformation with the intention of igniting humanity's souls to chase their dreams, to serve deeply, and to live wildly free, fulfilled lives. This soul-moving and upbeat podcast is sure to move you into radical, inspired action towards the greater vision for your life. Hey, community. I hope you're doing so well. I have such a special episode for you all today. I had the privilege and the honor of having a beautiful conversation with my beautiful life coaching buddy, Nikki Teedman. She's a mindfulness coach, a wellness advocate, and she works with successful entrepreneurs, forming a close partnership. She enables them to thrive as they navigate life's transitions and creations. As the founder of Slow Coaching Co., she is passionate about radiating the goodness of the slow life to help others quit the grind in order to find the balance in life that they crave and so deserving of. Via mindfulness coaching and openly sharing the wellness practices, including meditation, that enrich her life, she celebrates eccentricity and individuality to bring life to her vision of normalizing and making the prioritization of one's mental well-being be easy. She describes herself as a collector of stories, a wild adventurer, a mama bear, and an ocean lover. Welcome, Nikki Teedman. Thank you so much for having me, Daisy. I'm so excited to be here with you. And it's a perfect way to spend a Wednesday afternoon. That was an amazing bio that I just read out. So, so inspiring. Nikki, go ahead and tell the listeners a little about what you do. I know that you have a business called Slow Coaching Co. Hi, everyone. So, um, yep, I'm Nikki, obviously. (laughs) And I'm the founder of Slow Coaching Co., which is my coaching and wellness business. Um, I'm based on the central coast in New South Wales. So I live in a gorgeous part of the world called Wombrel. And I'm so fortunate to live really close to the ocean. Um, and we've got beautiful bushland up the back um, of our house. Um, and I live here with my husband, my small human and my dog. And um, life is pretty good. So <laughs> a bit about my story. I um spent 11 years of my life and my working career in the travel industry and then of course when pandemic um, graced us with its presence became made redundant from my role whilst you know that maybe at one point in my life would have been an absolute disaster and um, something that was horrible to deal with it actually turned out to be a gorgeous silver lining and beautiful timing for me Um, I was on maternity leave I had a small baby and um, I wasn't 100% sure of like what my return to work options would look like or, you know, what life would look like because um, anybody who's entered into parenthood knows that your entire life changes in some way, shape or form. Yeah, funny way, 2020 came about, pandemic came about, redundancy was a bit of a, um, uh, just, a just a miracle in itself. And so, yeah, here I am. Um, now with Slow Coaching Co and I'm a mindfulness coach and I really 
am so passionate about helping people be able to normalize caring for their mental well-being. Thanks for sharing all that, Nikki. And that's such a relatable story. I know so many people that were made redundant in 2020. So I wanted to share with the listeners just a little about how we met. So you're a fellow life coach as well. And we were both certified through the Beautiful You Life Coaching Academy based in Melbourne. So a massive shout out to Julie Parker and Team Beautiful and all the biker coaches. It's such an amazing program and I'd highly recommend it to anyone who's wanting to dive into the life coaching business and it's such a fulfilling career. And what's really funny is that I remember there was 30 or 40 of us during these live Zoom calls during the six-month program and I remember seeing you um, on the Zoom calls and being like, yeah, like this chick is so cool. Like I loved all the questions you were asking and I knew that we were going to collaborate and here we are doing podcasting and Instagram lives. So many amazing friendships came from that six-month life coaching course. Yeah, absolutely. And um, and it, right back at you, like I remember every time <laughs> we had question time and Daisy would get on and I was be like, oh, she's a cool chick. I need to, <laughs> I need to be her friend. <laughs> Um, but I think that you know like over the time uh since our course finished there's there's been a couple of people that you you're just naturally drawn to and your energies align and um and that is definitely the case um with you Daisy so I'm I'm so excited as I said before and just um it's oh it's just such a joy to be chatting to you um and and sharing our gifts with the world Yes, that's a massive teaching of mine of saying yes to the higher vision for your life and using your gifts to uplift the world and share. I love that. Nikki, you're a wealth full of knowledge. I know that you're a life coach, you're a mindfulness meditation teacher, you're also a yoga instructor, but I'm sure it hasn't always been like that. I'm sure you haven't always been in that industry. Um, I'd love for you to share with us your story of what transitioned you from corporate high up corporate to being a life coach and a meditation teacher and a mindfulness coach so I remember when I was a kid um and I must have been like let's let's say like 14 or something and I was fascinated and interested in yoga and I grew up in a small town in South Africa and at the time, um, I didn't know of anybody who practiced yoga. I didn't know of any yoga studios or um, I guess anywhere or, or how I would even be able to get into this practice. Um, mm. And couple that with, I guess, the, you know, being a teenager and kind of feeling like, oh, I'm a bit different or I'm going to be judged because I want to do this like woo-woo thing, <laughs> you know, yeah. that no one knows much about. <laughs> And so I remember um, being at the library, (laughs) you would like hire out books. Well, well, let's put it this way. The internet didn't exist. So I didn't just jump on Google and be like how to practice yoga. It was more like I found a book and I photocopied some pages out of it. And um, then I remember like locking myself in my room and started like a bit of a self-practice and, you know, practicing some sun salutations. And Mm. I guess um I was thinking about this the other day and I was like why did it take me so long because as soon as I found myself practicing and I'd started to practice I was like oh my gosh like I'm home I've I've, um you know like I've 
found a place that is so comfortable for me and um, a practice that I know that is going to be a part of my life. I think it was John Lennon who said something like, life happens while you're making other plans. And I wasn't super conscious of how I was able to exist in that life. It was more just that I was being heavily influenced by people around me. I you know, let external factors really envelop me and kind of take hold of my life. You know, it wasn't, I wasn't in a, a really bad place or anything like I love my social life. I love my job. You know, I loved everything about my life. Um, but I guess when you come out of the other side, especially as you said before, you know, and you land yourself in a healing modality or in a place where you feel, you know, more connected to yourself, yeah. you kind of look back and you go far out. How did I exist um, so yeah, cut to, um, again, like with life coaching, sort of similar thing. I remember, um, after, shortly after I moved to Australia, after I'd lived in the UK, a friend of mine there, his partner, um, was studying to be a life coach. And this would have been about 15 years ago. And I was like, oh, a life coach. Oh, that's interesting. And I was kind of a bit like, hmm, hmm, I wonder what that is. And, and then I just didn't really think much of it. Um, again and kind of it was one of those things that just landed in the back of my head and I was like mm. all right I climbed the corporate ladder and I was up in this position that I thought was going to deliver me all my hopes and dreams mm. and then when I got there the catalyst for me was that it just didn't quite deliver <laughs> mm. I was miserable yeah. but so afraid and so fearful of actually admitting that and actually doing anything about it that I hung around in this role for about three years um, just being pretty miserable and for the last 18 months it was um, I had I remember a moment where I just had a really horrible conversation with a leader of mine and I was like this is not for me anymore and that was the catalyst for me to go ahead and do something brave um, and that was when I signed up to do my yoga teacher trainers and at the time I didn't necessarily want to be a yoga teacher I didn't know what the pathway was going to look like mm. but I knew that um, as I said before I was in a community and I had um, deepened my practice so that I knew that that was the kind of place and the kind of people um, and the kind of space that I wanted to play in um, yeah. rather than you know uh, aggressive conversations with leaders that are um, not amazing. But I then fell pregnant um, and went on maternity leave and that just gave me the space from this role and this job that I was mm. no longer passionate about um, to be able to really gain perspective for myself um, and kind of I guess do some deep questioning around like what did I want out of my life, mm. what are my values, what was my true purpose? Um, mm. How do I want to show up for myself as a mother? Um, through a friend of a friend, I kind of stumbled across Beautiful You Academy and I was like, this is perfect. And I was just called immediately. I was like, this is aligning so beautifully with all of the things that I love about my yoga community, you know, community about the people that I want to be around. Um, and so I signed up. And then, of course, you know, the pandemic struck. Um, mm. And as I mentioned before, I got made redundant from my role in the travel industry. So I didn't even need to, I guess, cut ties there because the ties were cut for me. Yeah. And yeah, the stars aligned and uh, Mother Universe listened. And here we are. Thanks so much for sharing all that, Nick. It's so, so relatable. I wanted to dive into a little bit of your expertise. I'm so curious what inspired you to take up a meditation and. Uh, a mindfulness practice? 
I fell in love with was the practice of meditation um, as I started out on my yoga journey. Um, and especially after having my little boy, I think that, you know, once you become a mother, you just need to learn to be so much more intuitive. You need to, oh, it's the perfect opportunity for you to be really present. Mm. Um, and I feel that the practice of mindfulness and the practice of meditation are the gateways into learning that that art. And in today's world where we're, you know, our phones are an extension of our arms and we are constantly, um, you know, uh, being peppered with information and other people's opinions and um we've got you know like an overdrive of stimulus um yeah never be bored we we never truly are present in the moment because whether we're forecasting about the future or you know we're we're glued to a phone scrolling getting down a rabbit hole of somebody else's Mm. life and comparing ourselves to them and really become as present as i can be to witness this little human growing it just felt like a bit of a calling. And so Mm -hmm. I just want to be able to help others um, get present to the, I I always refer to it as like the really mundane, boring parts of life (laughs) because that is what life is. (laughs) And this comes from somebody who, as I said before, I was in the travel industry and, um, and my life was happening around me and my gosh, was it amazing. Like I've traveled to, you know, over 55 countries in my time when I worked in the industry, I traveled to over 21 countries. I went, I was counting it the other day. I went on, wow. you know, like 36 international conferences and more conferences than I can even remember or recount um, domestically. And so I adore traveling and that's why I got into the industry and, and, you know, I could not think of a time in my life where I didn't have a holiday or even two coming up. I mentioned before I'm from South Africa. I live in Australia. I've lived in the States. I've lived in the UK. So travel is a huge part of my life. My life is, you know, my 18 month old and cooking dinner in my house. And I still love traveling, but I actually, funnily enough, don't miss it. Um, And I don't miss that anticipation of the next trip because Mm. when I was always looking, what I noticed and realized was that I was always looking forward to like my next holiday and kind of wishing away every single day rather Mm. than just being like, well, this is in fact my every single day. I get up in the morning and I you know, make myself a coffee and yeah. drink smoothie and I meditate. And it's in those, like, I, somebody said to me the other day, it's about finding magic in, in those mundane moments. And that is just, that is just exactly what it's about for me. And if you can just love and be present in each of those moments, then like nothing else matters. <laughs> oh, I love how you said that you're so passionate about reminding people to find the miracles and the magic in the boring stuff Mm. because that's exactly what touched me when I began my meditation practice as well um I know I've spoken to you about this and on different platforms as well um I began meditating quite young I was 17 yeah I was going through um quite a, a really hard time I didn't have a healthy relationship with my parents and they didn't have a healthy relationship either. And it impacted me mentally, emotionally, and I just felt spiritually fatigued. And I had, um, this began to purge out as depression and severe insomnia. Um, My insomnia was so bad, Nick, that for like 15, 16 and 17, I was literally on two to three hours of sleep a night. It, It was, it impacted me 
because I also wanted to go to university. I had these ambitions for my life. Um, and so I was trying to study, right? I was trying to study. However, my, my brain was so fatigued. I wasn't sleeping and my body was so weak. And so I remember at 17, it was a breaking point for me. And it was before having a conversation with my mom um, down in the car and she used to pray a lot. And I remember just looking at her in the face and just being like, I don't know if I want to be here anymore. I don't, I didn't sign up for a life like this. As I picture myself now in her shoes, how frightening that would have been for her to hear that um, mm. for a 17 year old daughter, but it was a cry for help. And I remember she looked at me and she said, um, Daisy, pray, pray for a miracle. You know, you will get through this and you will help others as well, but I need you to pray. And I was like, okay. And I was like 17. I'm like, all right, I can, I can give it a go, right? I see you praying all the time. I'll give it a go. So and I remember that night I got on my hands and knees and I said a prayer. And then after I got up from my prayer, um, I remember looking in the mirror, where did that go? Where did my fire go for life? And seriously, it was like the next day at a gym, um, I used to do body balance and I used to do it as a form to just help me fatigue my body so I could just sleep at night. However, it didn't work because my body wasn't the issue. It was my mind, my mm. thoughts and how I reacted and my um, connection to my thoughts. The body balance teacher, she just gave me this very simple meditation. It was just a breath awareness technique. And I worked that meditation like a full-time full -time job, morning and evening. No one was going to mess with my morning practice or my evening meditation practice. I'm like, I was committed. And um, I began noticing differences after two weeks, actually. Um, began noticing my, uh, the first thing I began noticing was my sleeping habits dramatically improved. Mm. And then my thoughts began to lift. They weren't so heavy or depressive in nature. And that was just because I began relating to my thoughts differently. I began to seeing them very differently, um, which is a beautiful gift that meditation gives us when we begin a consistent practice. And it's been 10 years and I haven't had a sleepless night since. And that's why I was so passionate about sharing meditation, especially when I first started. Like, you should have seen me, Nick. I was like, at uni, I was like sharing it out like lollies. I was like, um, having gatherings with friends on a park and I'm like teaching them meditation. I don't think they care. They just wanted to drink after. But I'm like, I've got a gift. We can just do meditation. Then we can party after. You yeah. know, I was so passionate. So great. Like a little kid, a little kid in the toy factory. But, um, I remembered when um, it was my second year of uni and I wanted to deepen my practice. And um, I went to Thailand in the Christmas break, these massive Christmas breaks at uni here in Australia. And I went to this Buddhist temple. The reason why I'm telling you this is because it brought up what you said about finding those miracle moments in, um, in the mundane, boring stuff. I became so mindful to life itself. And the Buddhist monk who was teaching me meditation it was so funny because you know he couldn't speak a word of English I had no idea what he was saying but I just love being around him and, and still to this day he's the happiest person that I've ever met and I just loved looking into his eyes and just the just the practice of meditation naturally awoke me to mindfulness and and awakening to the mundane, boring stuff. Like I, I fell in love with just connecting and looking at people in the eyes and being so present to my food and how I chew and just gratitude for the swallowing of the food and feeding my body and my, and my heart and my kidneys and my brain. And that's the gift of meditation. It awakens us to life itself. And 
now it's a very big practice for me as I got a lot more responsibility. I'm an entrepreneur. I have my own business. I got a lot more responsibility. So now it's a big practice for me to show up to my meditation cushion more than ever. Like this is when I need it more than ever. And I'm sure you know this as well, um, that the reason why I reinforce meditation as a morning practice is because um, as we wake up in the morning, our minds are very receptive to information. So we've just come from an unconscious state. And as soon as we get up, we're midway between the subconscious and the conscious mind. And when we're in the subconscious mind, we've got to be very careful about what we feed it mm. um, because the subconscious mind is like a sponge. It picks up things very quick and it has to um, because zero to six years, that's the way we learned. Mm. And so if we wake up in the morning and we're in the subconscious mind, we go straight to our phone, straight to the newspaper, straight to the news. We're literally downloading the stress from the day and we haven't even got up in the morning and we wonder yeah. why we're depressed by noon. Yeah. And so um, that's why for me, morning, morning meditation is such a game changer, um, affirmations and just setting yourself up for the day ahead. That time, that first, it's, it's only eight minutes in the morning that we go between our unconscious dream state into the state of like, you know, being fully awake. And so mm. um, if anything, you know, if, if, any listeners out there I used to like that roll and scroll, you know, roll over, pick a phone and start scrolling um, and you don't know how you can stop. Um, it's only eight minutes. It's eight minutes. Um, and that is the time that our body just slowly wakes up. And so I hear you. I just, I used to be that person. I used to literally mm. jump onto my emails to try and get ahead. I remember waking up one morning and just, you know, I couldn't stop crying. And I'm so mm. fortunate that I've not suffered from, any sort of depression or any kind of anxiety throughout my life. Like I'm grateful every day for that. But this morning I woke up and I just was like, what is going on? Like, you know, I, I couldn't function, um, but I forced myself to push through and I went to work and, you know, my, my um, colleague was like, you've just got to go home. Like you just take a day, take a mental health day, Nikki. <laughs> that was, that was definitely another catalyst where I realized that I was not in the right space. I'm, and now I value and I, um, place so much importance on my morning routine and my morning ritual it's sacred to me um and some mornings you know it, it varies because you know um just again life but every yeah. morning I just aim to have a couple of minutes of gratitude to you know get in my meditation practice um and to just go through a couple of those mundane things I think I mentioned before having a coffee and I don't look at my phone until after the um the whole breakfast routine which is always fun with a toddler um is done yeah yeah I'm sure morning routine for you is a big thing that you reinforce with your clients um I'd love to know what, what tools and tips you would recommend for listeners who don't have a morning routine or a morning ritual yet are eager um, to take one on. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to share this with you. So this, um, I do a morning routine mindfulness session um, with, with my clients and um, mm. I do it for the exact reasons that we've just spoken about that I value my morning ritual so much. And when you start reading into it, successful humans out there often yeah. talk about their morning ritual and um and the benefits and and um how important they are to them the 
the first thing is always to start with compassion and kindness towards yourself. <laughs> um, and that's like an overarching kind of theme, I guess, you know, in starting any ritual or trying to form any kind of habit is that, you know, you have to be your biggest cheerleader. So, um, you know, if you're not a morning person, but you set your alarm and you get up 15 minutes earlier or even 10 minutes earlier or even five minutes earlier, then like celebrate that. And that's awesome. You've done it one day, which means you can do it another day, which means you can do it another day, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So kindness and compassion is, is, is one thing. And then the other um, things that I suggest is to lose the rules. So it doesn't necessarily, and what I mean by that is a morning ritual doesn't necessarily need to look exactly the same every single day. So potentially you've got like a, you know, um, a host of things that you might get value out of. And that could be journaling or it could be meditation or it could be a gratitude practice or it could be exercise or affirmations. And so maybe you just pick one of those things to do um, each day and that those things differ each day but you just do one of those things and you commit to doing one of those things there's nothing to say that that can't be how your morning ritual goes I think that we get fixated on it has to be a certain way and I have to do this and this and this and this and this mm. um to call it a ritual but at the end of the day you've got to work out what works best for you um and you've got to work out what fits into your life so I'll share what my ritual looks like in the morning um, and as I said it kind of goes day to day so on Mondays Wednesdays and Fridays I go to yoga at 6am so I wake up um, every morning whether I'm going to yoga or I'm not going to yoga and I sit up in my bed and I slowly like let my I guess eyes open my body wake up like I kind of just lay there just you know like very lazily you know and just kind of gently awaken and then I look out of my window and I am so fortunate because I've got a view over the ocean and I take a moment to just be grateful and that isn't a written um, gratitude journal per se it's just literally like oh my gosh the sun is rising over the ocean I adore the ocean I'm so grateful I live here I'm so grateful that we've got a house that looks over the ocean um, I'm so grateful that I've woken up again and I'm breathing and, you know, everything works. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. I'm so grateful that I slept well, you know, like, yeah. but it Health takes number us, one. Exactly right. It takes a second. Um, and it's as simple as that. And, and then I either will head off to yoga and, and do my meditation there or on the days that I don't go to yoga, I, I literally might sit in my bed and meditate mm. for 10 minutes or I might get up and go out onto my, my balcony it's just 10 minutes um and my husband knows that it's my time and it's it's not uninterrupted every single day because as I mentioned before I have a small human so he has a really good knack for knowing when I'm about to meditate and then he'll wake up <laughs> yeah <laughs> instinctively so yeah, sometimes awake yeah, exactly right. And I'm like dead quiet. I'm like, how does he know? <laughs> but um, but anyway, you know, that's just that's life. So sometimes my minute, my ten minutes or fifteen minutes is only three minutes, and then we slide into the breakfast routine, and it's coffee, and it's breakfast, and it's in the kitchen, and it's busy and it's chaotic, and there's wheat picks being flung around the house, and 
um, the dog is, you know, hungry and yeah. all happening. The music's going and the day, yeah. is, the day is on its way. <laughs> yeah. Fun so, adventure in the morning. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Recap. My tips is like, you know, kindness and compassion. Um, mm. you, you lose the rules. So do what works for you. It doesn't have to be an elaborate, you know, hour long morning process it can be literally five minutes it just lose those rules um and then find out what works best for you because just because meditation works for me you know or I wake up with gratitude yours might be journaling and affirmations you know it could be something completely different and then the fourth thing that I didn't mention there before but we did talk like quite extensively about before was just lose that phone even if it's just for the first eight minutes but you're so right Daisy like you know we um you know, when we take on emails or news or even the weather, those are all triggers for stress. Because, you know, if you roll over, you look at the weather and it's forecast rain and you weren't expecting rain, it could be something as simple as like, oh my God, my hair's going to go frizzy. You know, like I just washed it last night, mm. you know, and that can cause you stress or like, shit, I don't have the right shoes or, mm. <laughs> you know, um, so something as simple as that can, um, can be really, I guess, harmful within those first eight minutes of the day. So at least just for eight minutes, like, you know, stretch or breathe or look out of your window or find something else to focus your attention on before you pick up and start scrolling. Mm. Yeah, I love those tips. I was, um, I was having a conversation with my, with my brother the other day. Um, we reinforced the importance of making it enjoyable as well. Mm, yeah making it making it fun um Mm. like just wanting having that having that passion to get up in the morning making it um having having some type of purpose or having some type of drive or excitement to get you up in the morning to do some type of ritual um some type of routine that'll set you up for the day and another tip actually that just i just remembered something um so I, there's a, um, an author, his name is Hal Elrod and he wrote about the miracle morning. And so it's basically a book all about morning rituals. And I was listening to a podcast with him the other day. And one of the tips, which I loved was that he suggested that you set an intention before you go to bed about what you want your, you to do in the morning. And I love mm. how that links to what you were saying before about bringing the fun back into it and, and having it be something that's you know, exciting and fun and energizing and you're looking forward to. And so by setting that intention the night before, like I'm going to, like, I love yoga. So there's no trouble for me to get up at, you know, the crack of dawn when it's still dark. And I was going to say, we've got a really narrow pathway down to the road from our house and there's bush um, on either side. And I have to like navigate the spider's webs as I walk down. Nice. <laughs> um, but you know, that's okay. Cause I love yoga. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like spiders, but I love yoga. I guess so um you know setting an intention for something that is really fun and enjoyable for you rather than it being a punish or a ritual or routine like I've got to go for a 10k run if you hate running you know Mm. um this is also another hot tip but once you're awake you're awake so lose the snooze yeah yeah I mean either way um we all have a morning routine whether it's intentional or completely unconscious yeah I couldn't agree I couldn't agree with you more and I think that you know it, it it was enhanced for me talking about energy and your um, transfer of energy almost Um, when I had my little boy knowing that you know the the better um, care I can take for myself and the more I can set myself up with a solid routine to start the day or or ritual to start the day the more I'm able to give to him um, you know and and if I'm tired or stressed out or I feel like I haven't had 
a couple of minutes to myself in the morning, whether it's to meditate or look out of my window and feel grateful or, you know, just to breathe or wake up slowly, um, I'm less able to show up really well for him. And they sense it, you know, like babies are so intuitive. It's, um, it's, it's crazy. Um, mm. I'm sure that anybody listening out there is, who's got kids and, and has ever wanted a kid to go to sleep, it's the worst thing you can do. You just need to let, yeah. let it go. As soon as you're like, go to sleep, they're like, nah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do have friends with very young toddlers and, um, yeah, I do see that a lot and get told that a lot. Uh, it is yeah. all ahead of me. It's yes. all ahead of me and I am definitely welcoming it. It's, um, a, it's a beautiful season of life. It, uh, it definitely is with all its ups and downs. <laughs> yeah, and and you know what? Like, So I have, we're talking about morning practices before um, and I have quite an extravagant morning practice, but it's because I, I can. Um, I have the freedom to. I don't have um, um, children to look after at the moment that will all change and so will my morning practice oh a hundred percent yeah absolutely and sometimes I think to myself far out I wish I'd um, been more um committed to like I have always nourished myself well in the mornings but it's far more yeah. intentional now and I do sometimes think to myself like why, why didn't I do this like with a lot yeah. more intention pre pre having a, a kidlet but I, you know we're we're multifaceted and we we're always evolving and we're always growing and that's the beauty of life and so it's just about kind of going with the ebbs and flows and embracing it and yeah you know, we getting- are women we are adaptable and flexible like that it's that built in our so dna it is <laughs> what we do best <laughs> can handle anything and i i know that you do a lot of activities actually in your community are you able to um tell the community about the different activities that you do for your community? Yeah, absolutely. So I um, recently started sunrise mindfulness sessions down on the beach. So beautiful combination. Again, talking of morning rituals and routines. Um, It's a combination of a bit of yoga, a bit of breath work, a bit of meditation. And then we talk about a mindfulness topic. Yeah, do those down at the beach um, daily. Uh, And I love obviously where I live I love the ocean I love sunrise it's my all-time favorite part of the day just for the listeners who are around that area and who want to come along um so are they like at five o'clock five a.m every morning so they're dependent on the sunrise and um they can be booked either via my website um which Daisy will pop in the show notes (laughs) for you on it Um, so yeah, you can book via my website or you can book directly via me. Um, if you follow along on, on, you know, any of the social platforms, I'm, uh, at slow coaching co. They happen, as I said, they happen daily. So they're on demand. So some mornings I have people, some mornings I don't, um, and they are dependent on when the sun rises, if it's raining or <laughs> yeah, anything like that. Um, then, you know, we've got to, we just got to go with the flow. Where can people get in contact with you? I know that you've got Instagram. You're pretty um, approachable on Instagram. Where where else can people get in contact with you and, and your life coaching and your services? Yeah, absolutely. So um, on Instagram, I'm at Slow Coaching Co. Um, the other online space that you'll find me in is on LinkedIn. Um, mm. And then, of course, there is my website, um, which is just slowcoachingco.com. 
The other place actually that I post quite a lot of updates on and that you can obviously find out all of my details on is just simply through Google. I do a free 45 minute uh, discovery call, which is the perfect opportunity to really establish whether, you know, mindfulness coaching and what I offer and me as a, as a coach is, is right for you. Um, and it's a great opportunity for us to see whether we have some kind of connection and that we feel you know that we would be right to work together moving forward oh nikki and you're an absolute joy and i can just feel just th through this uh connection call and through knowing you i know how passionate you are about mindfulness and meditation and just about uplifting and empowering women and so as you know my podcast is called true fulfillment and so i wanted to ask you what true fulfillment means to you Oh, that's a very big question, isn't it? Yeah, true, true <laughs> fulfillment. What, what lights you up? Um, you know what? This is like a feeling. Um, yeah. That's probably the best way that I am able to try to begin to articulate, you know, what true fulfillment is. But it is just a feeling of freedom, of space, of like warmth and young kid and you are skipping through the grass or rolling down a hill you know when you used to like do this and then like curl yourself into a ball like roll down a hill I love that like you know and it was so exhilarating and like freeing and like a bit crazy and a bit out there mm. and that for me is um I guess the feeling of being fulfilled it's like life is full life is exciting it's, you know, I'm gathering stories, I'm adventuring, I'm open and I'm free to just experience it all. That's probably yeah. the best way that I can describe. Truth yeah. And I love that. Thank you so much. Yeah. An absolute honor and absolute pleasure. And um, thank you for all that you do for the world and all that you do for the community. You're a true lighthouse and a beautiful woman. So I look forward to many more conversations with you in the future. Oh, thank you so much, Daisy. And right back at you. You're doing such amazing things. If you'd like more information about Nikki and you'd like to get in contact with her, all information is in the show notes. God bless and have a beautiful day.